don't know the word Scott? Welcome to America, friend. Learn music. Welcome to another episode of the Rudy Librarian Podcast. I am your host, the Rudy Librarian himself, Brian. Yay! All right, it's been a minute since we've had an episode of the Rudy Librarian, and I'm excited to be back. I'm actually recording two episodes back-to-back, but they're going to air week after week, and so you may hear me explain a little bit here at the beginning that's the same on each episode, which is one of the reasons that it's been a while since I've had an episode of the podcast is... uh, been kind of a crazy time uh, between uh, teaching summer school, finishing up the school year, teaching summer school, and I got a new job uh, as uh, an elementary school librarian, which I am very excited about. Uh, I've been, you know, have have had my degree to be a librarian since 2020, and it's nice to see the door opened up. Although I will say, I am a tad nervous. I have only worked with the bigs, junior high and high school. This is my first time with the littles. Uh, so that means that I am especially excited today because my guest, uh, not only is he the outstanding uh, front man for a phenomenal band in the area, but uh, also an elementary school uh, teacher. So we, we, we've got uh, some of that to talk about as well. So uh, I want to welcome uh, Felipe Rosales from Flip and the Combined Effort. Hey, man, what's going on? Yo, I do. I totally forgot to. I I texted you congratulations on the librarian job, but congratulations again. I know you've been working towards that, and it stars align. That's awesome, man. Congratulations. Thanks, dude. I'm super excited, and I and I I haven't we haven't made this public yet, but we probably can by the time this episode comes out. Otherwise, my wife's gonna hurt me. But uh, my wife got a job yesterday as uh, an educational assistant in my kids' elementary school. So, oh, that's uh, that's awesome. Yeah, and she she's been she has not worked full time since we had kids, so it's been like nine years. So she's she's nervous, wow. but yeah. we're excited. How like that that is exciting, and it's nice. It's at the same school with your kid. Like that just makes life a little easier. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So, man, how have you been? How's how have things been going? Good. Um, it's been summer. Uh, but because of who I am, I haven't really taken a break. Uh, I, I teach private lessons in the summer, so I was getting, I have like, uh, I think five or six students right now that I'm teaching piano, ukulele. I have a drum student for the first time. Um, so just been doing that. And then my wife is also teaching summer school. Um, so she's gone during the week. So she says, uh, she was saying yesterday, your application for house husband has been accepted. <laughs> So just been doing stuff around the house. Uh, like we had to just get some things done, like call an exterminator, uh, take the take the dog for walks and stuff. So it's it's been it's been nice. Can't complain. That's awesome, man. And, you know, I don't know that I knew. I, mean, I guess I should have known since you are a music teacher. I don't know that I knew that you were so multi-instrumental, uh, such a multi-instrumentalist. So what all what all are you like comfortable with playing? Yeah, man, I get this all the time, especially when I say, oh, yeah, I teach uh, music. And they're like, what? Do you, oh, you teach band? I was like, no, I'm actually elementary. And they're like, oh, so what do you play? So comfortably, I can I, I feel very, very competent at ukulele, uh, any percussion instruments, because that's what I went to school for. I went to school for percussion. Uh, and then uh, I, I 
we call them chord chunkers. I can like accompany my kids on piano, but if you put like an actual like piano concerto in front of me, I could I could not. So. Right on. And then, and then for fun, I play trombone, but I'm terrible at it. But I love the trombone. Right. I, I had a trombone when I was a kid. Like, my mom bought one for me at a yard sale one time, like, just out of nowhere. Where to get them. <laughs> and, and I had it in my house forever, and I was never in band or anything like that. And I was like, this is a weird instrument to just, like, <laughs> I, here, son, I bought you a trombone. But uh, I, I mean, I figured out how to make the sound out of it, and uh, and I played around with it once in a while. So I have I have a dream to be more of an instrumentalist. So for me, like I was in choir from fifth grade till graduation, nice. so that was like my my big thing, and and really where I made most of my friends. But um, either choir or church. But um, I I started playing. I had an uncle who gave me a guitar, an acoustic guitar, and I loved it and I wanted to play guitar, but I was not very disciplined. And I, I'd get frustrated because I could I could form the chords, I could strum, but I really couldn't do that together. I couldn't switch chords together and I wasn't motivated enough to practice. Fair. So one of my best buddies was like, you should play bass. That's what I play and it's easier. And I was like, yeah. So he gave me... <laughs> He gave me uh, one of his bass lessons uh, and the bass that's hanging behind me on the wall. That was his bass. And I so I took a bass lesson on that bass and it wasn't that bad. And so his family bought me my first bass, which at this point now I, I have sold. And then I bought another one and then I sold it. Um, and then when my friend passed away, he gave me his bass, which is all, or, well, his family gave me his bass, which is is awesome. So I'm trying to get back into it. I have an electric guitar. Uh, packed oh, up yeah. next to me that I would like to learn after I learn my bass. And then I do have a ukulele as well. Uh -huh. um, I have at one point owned two ukuleles. I gave one away. I have the one I gave away was a, uh, I believe it was a Luna tattoo. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think it was a concert ukulele. Yeah. Most and the, of one that, the one that I still have is just a real cheap Macala Dolphin, but. It sounds good. Hey, if it sounds good, it is good. That's the thing. Yeah. Oh. So there was a period where I was like, well, I'll learn ukulele, less strings than a guitar, but you can actually <laughs> lead a song on it. Mm -hmm. But again, it doesn't matter what instrument you pick up if you're not disciplined to practice and learn it. That's that's the big thing, man. It's just music takes constant uh, practice. And it's the whole, if you don't use it, you lose it. Uh, mentality but i love ukulele i picked it up in college me and my friend used to learn uh four year strong songs on ukulele <laughs> which nice. for obvious reasons didn't really work but we were able to play the chords and when i started teaching i started using ukulele because thankfully the range of the ukulele is right right there with the range of a child's voice so like i'll be teaching a song and i'm like oh we're still having some trouble there i can play the melody on the ukulele and then it gives me, I can actually like walk around the room and be like, oh, okay, like I'm accompanying. And then when I need to, I can switch to the melody. And I'm also doing that proximity uh, monitoring. It's, it's, it's the Swiss army knife of the music room, at least in my music room. This is a teaching tool for all you elementary uh, uh, music teachers. You need to pick up the ukulele. Mm -hmm. 
I, I, th I tell you, I think elementary music class is one of the coolest classes because it's so like exploratory. It's so like, let's just figure all this stuff out and have fun. And then it can, and then it can grow into something. So I remember just loving my music class so much. And then when I found out that there was going to be like the opportunity for choir and we were going to sing things like we said, I remember singing a friend like me from Aladdin. And this was shortly after Aladdin came out. Love you know, it. And just being like, this is the coolest thing in the whole world, you know? <laughs> yeah, man. Well, it's just, it's so innate, it, like as a human to like want to create music and like your first, your first instrument is your voice. That's the one you really start using from day one. Um, and it's, it's just the coolest thing. I, everyone's always like, oh, so do you like your job? I was like, well, just like with any job, there are parts of it I don't like. But most of the time, I'm just playing singing games with my kids. Like, I'm singing songs. We're learning songs. We're learning folk dancing, playing instruments. It's just fun, which is what it should be. Because that's part of the reason why I went to elementary Real, because I graduated college, and I had an option. I could be a high school band director. Like, I had the offer, and then I got the elementary offer. And ultimately, I was like, man, as much as I love band and, like, my band directors all through middle and high school and college were just incredible people. I wanted to just get to the root of it and inspire kids to do band or do choir orchestra or just learn guitar on their own or learn how to produce beats. Like I just want to instill that, that spark of curiosity so they can go and do music in whatever that way they want to. And, and I want to say that one of the things I'm excited about going into elementary school is kind of exactly what you're talking about. I'm, I'm nervous, you know, but like in the elementary school, it's not so hard to get kids to love reading. Mm -hmm. But like in junior high and high school, it's a lot harder work. And, and, and I always say, I even said this when I was teaching summer school the last couple of weeks, I start out and I'm like, how many of you love to read? And I get a couple hands and I say, how many of you absolutely hate reading? And I get a couple hands and I say, how many of you once loved reading? And we crushed the love of reading out of you in school in the last few years. And it's most of the hands. And it makes oh. me so sad. And so, Terrible. you know, I, I worked hard to counter that when I was a secondary teacher. But my hope is as an elementary teacher, I can, you know, encourage them to internalize it where it can't be taken away. So, yeah, I love that. No, gosh, that that breaks my heart <laughs> to hear that. It does. It's sad. You know, I've, I've listened to a lot of authors talk about how for them, it's the same kind of thing. They never really read till they graduated. And a big part of that, I think, is that so few of our books represent, like reflect our actual kids. Um, some of that's just like diversity. And, you know, like so many books that are constantly taught are just like white people. <laughs> and here in Texas, like yeah. our population is uh, so diverse very diverse but i mean more and more we're having you know schools where the hispanic population is the majority and and then white might be secondary but we also have blacks and asians and pacific islanders and and they need to see themselves in books you know our, our lgbtq students need to see themselves in books mm -hmm. so 100 percent. and uh, i had a thought and i lost it and it's gone to the ether that's okay. You know, this is something interesting about this episode right now. This is the first episode of The Rudy Librarian that I've ever recorded in the morning. It's usually like after my kids go to bed, mm -hmm. but my kids have had summer school and today they have like a, a half day field day. Um, and my wife is volunteering at it and she asked me if I wanted to and I said no. 
because <laughs> because yesterday was my last day teaching summer school so i wanted it you know to chill out a little bit yeah and uh and this just turned out to be perfect but yeah as as, te as teachers uh who are on vacation there's a little bit of us waking up right now <laughs> yeah oh yeah gosh i saw a TikTok the other day of a teacher who was like all you teachers saying that you're ready to go back like no i have completely messed up my sleep schedule i woke up at two today i'm having breakfast at five uh <laughs> and now i'm gonna play games until four in the morning so let's let's do this thing you're doing summer wrong <laughs> <laughs> yeah my fr my friends give me a hard time because we are um we're like my wife and I, I'm 40, my wife's 46, and we are like geriatric. We're like, oh, it's between nine, it's between nine and 10. Are you ready for bed? I'm exhausted. Kids still, nine-year-old kids still going strong in his bedroom, trying to come out every five seconds and talk to us about another Pokemon card. You know, I'm like, dude, you got to go to sleep because we're going to go to sleep. Like, <laughs> so, oh my goodness. See, yeah. I'm like that. I especially during the school year, like as soon as it, hit, it hits nine o'clock, I turn into a pumpkin. Uh, but my wife is a super night owl, like she, like on a school night, she'll stay up till like midnight. Granted, she teaches uh, middle school. So her report time is a lot earlier than or a lot later than mine. And I sponsor the broadcast team. So I get there really early. Um, but I'm with you, man. Nine o'clock, it's, it's time to wind down and just go to sleep. We'll try again tomorrow. So how then do you manage, because I've been feeling this a little bit, on the nights when you're at a show, because these shows, like, uh, you know, you've got a show, so we're recording right now, it's, it's Friday, June 17th, you've got a show I'm going to on Monday, right? Nice, I'm so yeah. excited to see you there. Oh. I'm, ex I'm excited to be there, and I'm excited not just to see you guys, I, love, I haven't seen you yet, I've I met know. you personally, but I haven't seen your band um but and i i've i've seen madeline once um and i have oh, never seen the third rates uh and and they're great and remind me i'm missing one of the bands it's uh oh set the tone they're a newer band tone. yeah i don't know them yet so i'm excited to check them out they're really cool but these shows start at like 7 30 and go to like 11 midnight whatever uh i don't know about you but I am often like the headlining band. I'm like, you guys are so good, but I'm like going to fall asleep. <laughs> you know, you're jamming and I'm enjoying it. Yeah. Well, gosh, it's really right now. Right now I'm on that. I'm on island time right now. It's summer. So I'm like, oh, I can stay up late. But it's like during during the school year, it's rough. And like there are a lot of points this year where I'm like, I have the days. I could just take a half day tomorrow and just recover but more often than not, I'm just like, nah, I can push through. And then about nine o'clock, I'm about to see third grade. I'm like, oh, no, I can't. This was a bad call. I'm not ready for this. <laughs> Why was that show so good? Yeah, I know, like the the, sh the show that we met at the most recent show, that was the the just phenomenal lineup with Kill Lincoln and We Are the Union and, and the Slackers and the it's Slackers so were unbelievable all three bands um, amazing but the slackers were unbelievable i've never seen any of those bands before and i was but i was also like i am so exhausted right now and i'm gonna have to drive home which is like you know i live in i live in you know the close to fort worth so it's like a 40 45 minute drive yeah no, i mean you you stayed longer than i did i like i stayed for maybe three or four slacker songs i'm like okay y'all I'm I'm turning to a pumpkin. I'm out of here. 
but I was, and, and, and I, I don't know if, uh, I haven't posted this online, but uh, that show was phenomenal. I have been dealing with an injury since the show. Um, I blame Drew. Uh, I blame Drew from Kill Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Drew, Drew, if you're listening to this, um, I'm gonna send you my doctor bill. But uh, he is so good at getting people into the pit. And I was like, I'm 40 years old. I'm in terrible shape. I'm not doing it. But and he tried and he tried and I resisted. And then I just felt so bad because I love those guys. I was like, I got to get in there. And uh, my knee has been uh, mad at me for you know three weeks now. Oh goodness, yeah, man, that dude. Drew is probably the most energetic person I've ever met. Like that guy just tears the pit up. Like it was, it was a, I would dare to say it's a spiritual experience getting to mosh and dance with that dude. Like it was so cool. Yeah. There's when he wraps you up in his incredibly sweaty arms, it just feels like home. <laughs> yes, it does. 100%. And, so let's let's talk about flipping the combined effort. I want to know. Well, okay, let's back it up a little bit. Um, I still, I always steal a question from on the upbeat. Uh, so you know, shout out to those guys for allowing me to steal their material. Yeah. But I feel I feel like before we can even get into flipping the combined effort, we we've got to know like what what was your introduction to ska music? Oh man. Okay. So I like to think me and ska were two ships constantly passing each other in harbor for a lot of my life uh i grew up on nickelodeon so i was really big into the show kablam and that show had two-tone army as its theme song and i always loved it i always loved kablam i was like man that song is really good surely probably nothing like it exists in the world whatever and then i just didn't that's where i stopped looking uh so then grew up a bit uh started getting into Uh, video games more and really into halo uh and this was like proto internet uh there was this community of people that would do halo tricks where i don't know if you've ever played halo the original but a little bit a little bit love that game but so like it's aliens versus super soldiers whatever but there was a vehicle in it called the Warthog. And if you killed your allies, they would drop grenades. And because of how the game's code was written, those grenades, even though they were on the floor, they would still activate. So you would get a bunch of Marines together and you'd, you'd kill them and then they'd drop the grenades. You'd park the Warthog on top and then you throw your own grenade and it sent the Warthog flying. And all these people found all these really cool ways to like uh, get out of the game's boundaries. It was super funny. And it was on a message board. And it was this is before YouTube, so you literally had to download the video to watch it. So I was one day I was just looking at all these videos and I found one and it featured Party at Ground Zero by Fishbone. Nice. I, was like, I was like, oh my gosh, this is like the Kablam theme song, but better. This is amazing. And I went to my uncle, who is super techie and still really is techie. Um, and I was like, his name's Uncle Junior. Uncle Junior. Will you find this song for me? It's called Party at Gunzo by Fishbone. He went on LimeWire, downloaded it, and it was the only thing I listened to for like a solid year. I was just like, (laughs) I love this song. Uh, And once again, I was like, this song is so cool. It probably doesn't exist anywhere else. Oh, wow. So finally, I get to around like late middle school, early high school, and I start getting into Newgrounds, the Flash animation website. 
and loved it, loved it. And I started following this cartoon called Bonus Stage. And their theme song for a while was A Little Doubt Goes a Long Way by Real Big Fish. And I was like, oh my gosh, this sounds like that Fishbone song. Maybe I should look into these guys. And then from that moment on, I fell down the rabbit hole. And Real Big Fish was my first love, as I feel like a lot of people's first love is Real Big Fish. And just further got fell, fell down the Real Big Fish rabbit hole. Like, man, these guys are incredible. And it was really funny because up until that point, my parents didn't really see me like love anything. Like, I loved playing video games, but they didn't see me, like, really invested in something. So when I was, like, really starting to get into Real Big Fish, they were like, oh, okay. And I I live in El Paso, Texas, which is, like, the tip of Texas, um, far west. So no one ever came and played shows for us. So when I found out they were going on tour, I think it was in 2005, I was like, Mom, Dad, I really want to go see Real Big Fish. Like, really, really, really want to. And the closest they're coming is Tempe, Arizona. It's a six-hour drive. Can we go? And once again, my parents were like, yeah, like you, you obviously are really into this band. Let's go. And they took me. Uh, Streetlight Manifesto opened and then and then the floodgates opened. I was like, Streetlight's amazing. Oh, my gosh, look at all these bands. And that led me to Big D at the Kids Table, uh, Tip the Van, the Taj Mattel Trio, Five Iron Frenzy. And it just from that moment on, I was like, oh, I'm a I'm a ska kid now. Love it. That's awesome. It's so Man, it's so interesting um, how everyone's kind of story is a little bit different, but I, I love, love that. And I love that your parents were so like 100%, let's, you know, you love this, let's invest in it. Um, I, you kind of hope as a parent that you can be like that. And it makes me, it makes me think too about one of the times when my son's just like really excited and I'm like, okay, give me a break. You know? <laughs> And so trying to be a little bit better at that, that's that's cool. Yeah, no, I, I, I thank them every time. I even I even wrote a song about it. And every time I play it, I try to dedicate it to to my parents because literally they I know everyone's like, oh, yeah, my parents were great and I love my parents. I sincerely like credit them with everything that's happened to me because because from the get go, they've been nothing but supportive. I was going to do um Computer engineering. I was like 18 years. I was like, I'm going to do computer engineering. That's what I'm going to major in college. And then I took a music theory course my senior year of high school. And I was like, hey, mom, dad, uh, I think I want to do music. And they both like just sat there for a second. They're like, okay, but you have to get an education degree. I was like, works for me. Like they they turn on a dime to support. They bend their, they turn on a dime. They bend over backwards to support me. And I just can't thank them enough. So mom, dad, if you're listening, thank you. That's that's awesome. So you're in El Paso. How did you get up here to DFW? Did you go to college up here somewhere? I did. Um, yeah, my my band director uh, went to UT Arlington, University of Texas Arlington. And uh, when I was around that time, when I was like, I think I'm going to study music. He's like, you should look into UTA. It's a great school. And visited the campus, auditioned, loved the campus, didn't get in. They said, no, you're too bad at music um ouch yeah granted i was very bad at music because i spent the past seven years just kind of doing the bare minimum because i was like yeah i'm pretty okay at music but i'm not gonna major in it in college so i didn't really try but after some talking with the professor he let me re-audition in july of that or in june of that year 
got in as a probationary, like, well, you're a little bit better, but you need to get a lot better in your first year. I was like, you got it. And uh, yeah, came up to came up here and have been here ever since. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. 13 years now. Something like that. It's awesome. My wife's from Boston and her and her story is a lot of like come like uh, her family moved here when she was in middle school because uh, her dad was a pastor. He planted a church in in the area and then uh they moved back to boston and then she moved back here for cosmetology school and then she moved back to boston and then she moved back here for bible college and then we got married and then i and then she's been down here so oh oh my uh, gosh a lot of back and forth (laughs) yeah but it's always interesting when one day you realize like oh man i've been here for like a long time like for her it's more than half her life you know but yeah uh but yeah so then uh how does uh were there were there other bands before Flip uh while you've been up here or down in El Paso and then when did Flip come come about? Oh man, this is a fun one. Okay, uh so me and my best friend started a I wouldn't even say it was a band. We were basically just meeting in a garage making noise. Um, that went nowhere. Uh, but then after that kind of dissolved, uh, I was showing because i was basically the person that showed scott to a lot of people it was like me and my friend maria um kind of like we were the only ones that kind of knew what scott was so we were like hey we should we should start our own scott band and we were really clever and we called our band in high school the skanking kids of america because it spelled out ska we were very funny (laughs) is it Uh, ska if there's not some sort of a pun though is it (laughs) see exactly one of the things I love about it. <laughs> um, but we played shows my junior and senior year. Um, I also played bass in a pop punk band. Uh, and yeah, basically when when senior year hit, we were all in college. It just kind of died. We played like a few reunion shows here and there, but really that's where it ended. Uh, but then when I got to college, that's literally all. the only thing I had time to do was music school because, like I said earlier, I was so bad at it. Um, so I had a lot of catching up to do. Um, I tried to get a little ska project going for a little bit. We recorded a song. Um, we had a violin player, uh, which was really fun. Uh, but you were, that you were you were the yellow card of ska. <laughs> we have the yellow card of ska for a song. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we recorded one song and then it never nothing ever came of it. Uh, and then I graduated, got my first job, and then I found this mythical thing called free time and i was like man i should really start writing songs again and i should really start going to shows again um because during during college i went to like of course all the big shows streetlight came out here aquabats real big fish all those guys um but i was like there's one band i really liked which was the holophonics and i don't know how i found i don't know how i found them but i loved them and then i found out oh wait they're from here they're from the metroplex so I went to one of their shows and got to just chatting with all of the members and uh, Eric Dano, the, the band leader, I was like, hey, would I, <laughs> I must've been really weird uh, at that time, but I was like, hey, can I just like come watch you guys rehearse sometime? And he's like, that's a really good question, but okay. And like, I went, I just like watched how they did things. And then I was like, hey, I think I wanna start writing songs again. And if I do, will you record them? He's like, yeah, dude. If you come to me, I'll re- I'll I'll record them and I'll 
play any parts that you can't. You can even borrow the holophonics horn section. I was like, okay. Um, wow, so I start, that's so awesome. Yeah, he's he's a great, great, great dude. And I credit a lot of Flip's success and like really culmination to him. Like he's still like the, our newest release, he mix and mastered for us again, um, which is awesome. But yeah, so uh, I would teach all day and I'd come home and I'd just start writing songs again. And we were, I recorded a little three song EP and I was like, okay, I'm just gonna release this to the world and let's see if I can find a band. And I just asked a bunch of buddies from college, a couple of friends that I was playing in another band with at the time. And yeah, we started, We our first show was July 4th of 2016. It was a house show and we played four songs. And as soon as it was over, I was like, oh man. So this is what I'm gonna do for as long as I can now, isn't it? Uh, and we've been playing ever since. That's awesome, man. I love that. And I, I love, one of the things I've said over and over is that for the most part, Ska is such a like supportive scene. Like everybody is really looking out for each other. Now, I mean, it's it's people. So there, there are little things here and there where people don't like each other, don't get along. But for the most part, yeah. it's, it's so supportive. And like, I know here in the area, especially, you hear so much about how uh, Eric and the Holophonics and Mark and and the people from Madeline, how how much they pour into the other, you know, the ska bands and ska scene here. And I think that's it's incredible. So it makes me really appreciate them and our scene here. So which is which is cool. One hundred percent. So now you guys do something a little bit different than a lot of other ska bands, and that is that you have a lot of like hip hop vocals. So what what brought that what brought that into the mix? Um, so before ska, before I was really into ska, the only thing I was kind of into was hip hop, and I grew up listening to Outkast and Eminem, but the most formative band for me, which is, will come to no surprise is Linkin Park. I loved, loved, loved Linkin Park. Um, they were they were the first band that I kind of started obsessing over. But even then, I was like, I loved In the End and Paper Cut. Those were the only songs I knew. Um, but as I as I got older, as ska kind of opened my eyes to alternative music. So uh, alongside getting really into ska, I really got into alternative hip hop. Like I still appreciate like Dr. Dre and um, Snoop Dogg and all of the the greats, but alternative hip hop spoke way more to me. So I was super into, especially in high school, Flowbots, Gym Class Heroes, um, uh, what's it called uh, this guy named Atmosphere, uh, Blue Scholars. Like I was super into this alternative scene because it just I don't know I just. I loved it. I loved Flowbot's political messaging. I loved Gym Class Heroes, how it felt like a pop punk band that had a hip hop, uh, a hip hop frontman. So as I've gotten, as I got older, I just that those like were my two constants with ska and hip hop. So when Flip started, um, the first few songs we wrote actually, now I'm thinking about it, had no rapping in them. I think I had like a verse on our first song. Uh, but then I was like, hey, like, if I want this to be, like, true and honest to myself, I really think I should start 
uh, incorporating rap into it. So like I looked around for like other bands that did it, and there's there's a couple. Um, one band that I really like is Love Is a Fist. They're a hip hop, more uh, hip hop ska almost soul band out of New York, and they do the hip hop thing. Of course, there's Mad Conductor, um, and uh, the Night Gaunts, but like no one was really doing it like full like the way I wanted to do it. A lot of yeah. it, a lot of it was more. I don't know. It just didn't scratch that particular itch. I was like, well, I'm going to do it then. And so I, I take a lot of influences from like Watsky, Lin-Manuel Miranda, Jim Class Heroes, obviously, um, uh, and Spose. Oh, Spose, especially, especially recently. I've been jamming his stuff. And he's the that brand of hip hop is what I really wanted to bring to ska because not enough people do it. And especially with both hip hop and ska having big roots in social change, it just kind of makes sense for, uh, for, that to, for, that, for these two to be married together. I love, I love that so much. The, the, I've said this a ton of times on my podcast, but the first three ska bands I got into, because uh, the first scene that I was fully entrenched in was like the Christian rock scene. And there was a good Christian rock scene in the 90s and 2000s, like good bands. Um, and But most of the good bands did not want to be called Christian bands. They wanted to just be bands. And that's why nowadays it's very hard to be like, you know, the Christian rock scene. It doesn't exist really for the most part. There's a few bands. But for ska, you know, and again, I've mentioned this a lot. We had, you know, sort of the the, the trinity of big Christian ska bands, the Insiders, uh, Five Iron Frenzy, and the Supertones. And the Supertones were, you know, they sort of ended up being the biggest Christian ska band. And a big part of that was their message was so, like, blatant and pointed and evangelical and really meshed with sort of the evangelical Christian scene. The band that I ended up walking away being the, like, connecting with the most, and still they're, like, m my second favorite band, maybe first, tied with MXPX, uh, is, uh, is Five Iron Frenzy. But the Supertones did a lot of that rapping with Scott as well. So I kind of grew up with that. And then when I got and when I got into the Scott scene, I was sort of surprised to find that there wasn't much of that because I thought that was like a common thing. Mm -hmm. um, now, as the Supertones got older, I feel like they rapped less. Um, but I really loved specifically their first two albums when there was a lot of rapping. And as a, a young kid, um, I felt like it was a challenge to try and learn all the lyrics and get the rhythm down and say it at the speed that he was saying it, you know? Yeah. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so, that, so I love, I love that mix and I'm, I'm glad that there's somebody, you know, around here doing it. I'm looking forward to being at a show uh, to yeah. see it. it. It's, it's fun. It's, it, we try to, we try to have a good time. It's a good time. So I want to talk about your, your newest release and sort of the thing leading up to that. Um, really interesting time to be a teacher the last three years, just a lot, you know, COVID was hard on everyone for sure. And, um, you know, for me, the, the Rudy librarian was birthed out of COVID because I wanted to, I was looking for a way to continue encouraging my kids to read while they were at home. So I decided to start making book talk videos on YouTube and I needed a name. Um, and so, 
Um, so the first year, you know, we leave on spring break and find out on spring break that we're not coming back, you know, basically mm-hmm. we're the rest, you know, we're going to spend another week and then it turns into a couple weeks and then it turns into the rest of the year. The next year I'm teaching from up at school, but two out of three of my trimesters, I am teaching completely virtually in my classroom. Um, I had one trimester where I had students in class, but, uh, but the other two completely, because yeah, and my school's on a trimester system, which is weird. My high school is. It's weird. Yeah. Um, and then this last year, you know, back fully in person, but man, like so many things made this year in a lot of ways harder than the last two years. You know, kids yeah. who haven't been in real school for two years, you know, a year and a half. Um, and so they're trying to get used to being back and they're trying to get caught up and uh, lots of pressure from our state that these kids need to be passing a standardized test that they have no business trying to take after being out for a year and a half. Um, So just really, really tough. And here at the end of this year, you release uh, sort of a three song, you know, EP uh, that is 100% teacher focused uh, and you, and you release it doing this sort of fundraiser event at a, a, a bar restaurant yeah, uh, division brewing at division brewing that's right yeah i couldn't remember where it was and i didn't get to make it to that i wanted to come so bad but i wasn't able to make it but so talk a little bit about all that if you don't mind yeah yeah of course um so ever since flip started um flip and teaching have kind of grown at the same same time um so when i with our uh, our first release, our first LP, um, our only LP, um, In Search of Home, I really wanted to write a song about teaching because at the time I was uh, in my second year and I was really fortunate. My first teaching my first teaching job, I was extremely fortunate because I was the youngest person there by about 25 years. So I was wow. just, yeah, I was the baby of the campus. I was surrounded by just literal hundreds upon thousands of years of experience. So I was just like, I'm trying to get as much uh, information and like know-how as possible. And it I don't want to say it jaded me really quickly, but it jaded me really quickly to the education system. I yeah. had like one year of like, oh my gosh, I'm going to change the world to the system is not set up for kids to be truly successful. So I, I wrote my first song about teaching called in spite of the system out of a, an article I read that had something to the effect of kids are not succeeding because of the system. They are succeeding in spite of the system. And that really stuck with me. So I wrote that teacher song and that was kind of like the only, that was it. Uh, then a couple years pass and it's just one school day. I was trying really hard to stay hydrated cause I'm singing all day. So I want to make sure I stay hydrated. I kind of, overhydrated and I really had to use the restroom. And at my la- at my first school, we had passing periods. So we had like five minutes in between each class so we could like go to the restroom and do all this stuff. At my new school, we don't. So uh, I was like, okay, I'm gonna see if I can get these kids out and sometimes their teacher comes early so I can like make that like, oh cool, here's your class. I'm gonna run the restroom before the next class gets here. That didn't happen. They came in at the same time. So I taught a whole 50 minute class of with me just like pacing around the room. I was like, Hey, I really got to go. Okay, cool. Yeah. We're, we're learning solfege. Uh, finally, uh, I lined the kids up, the teachers there. I was like, cool. Thank you. And I just sprint out of my room. Thankfully I make it to the restroom in time. 
And after that whole ordeal, I was like, this would be a really, this is a really funny story. It would even be even better as a song. So I wrote the song, uh, I Wish I Could Pee Whenever I Want. And <laughs> it was the first of the teacher songs. I was like, this is really fun. And then uh, COVID hit. We played the song once live and then COVID hit. Um, so then over the, the pandemic, or not over the pandemic, once we kind of got back into that hybrid weird stuff, I was like, I really think I could, let me, let me rephrase that. As we started getting back to it, I was reminded of all the pointless meetings we go to, uh, half the time don't apply to, to us specifically or to me specifically as a music teacher, as an arts teacher. So uh, at the time, I was, me and my wife were watching uh, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. If, you if you've never seen it, it's one of the best shows I've ever watched. It's a musical sitcom. Okay. Hilarious. Um, but I was watching a lot of that, and one of the songs reminded, I was like, man, I want to write a song. Her name is Rachel Bloom. I want to write a song like Rachel Bloom. And so between that and these meetings, I'm like, let's put these together. So I wrote a song called This Could Have Been an Email, and it's just chronicling from the start to the end of these staff meetings where like half the things don't apply to us or like it's obvious they're just the state is requiring us to be here for a certain amount of minutes and they're just kind of padding their time. So I wrote that song and I really, really love it. And when we started playing shows again, uh, that's when teachers started coming up and saying, hey, like, yeah, those staff meetings stink. I wish I could pee whenever I want. I was like, oh, OK, something's here. There's people are connecting with these songs. And then finally, uh, I had an instance, uh, I won't obviously name names, but where a teacher came up and was like, hey, uh, a gen ed teacher came up and said, hey, you're really great. I think you're a great person. Um, I just don't value what you do. Like, just straight up to, to my face. Like, Dude. I know, I know. I was like, that is, I was like, thank you. It it. it floored me it absolutely floored me and so i wrote the last song in the ep called tear each other down which is just about how we're all in the trenches like i don't care what you teach i don't care if you teach math culinary arts pe like i don't care what you teach we're all in the in the, on the same in the same battle we're all in the same trenches and so to tear someone else down who works with you every single day just because you don't value their content like it it blew my mind. So I wrote that song. And once again, we started playing it live. People were like, yeah, there's a little this. It shouldn't be that way. Like, I can't like I, I wish less people came up and said, I have coworkers that devalue me because of what I teach. And it's just incredibly upsetting. So once those three songs were done and we started playing them, I was like, OK, yeah, let's let's record these. And put them out, and this is kind of like a, a proof of concept because I have a I have a vision of a full LP of teacher songs, but I was like, let's let's see if people are vibing with this first. So, uh, for Teacher Appreciation Week 2022, we released "Hi Is This Ska's Mom," and that Friday of Teacher Appreciation, we held a show in Arlington, Texas, and we had a fundraiser where we. Uh, I got a, we got a bunch of gift cards so like teacher paid teachers target um, and all the proceeds from the uh, fundraiser went to 
to to get music lessons to kids in need. Uh, and thankfully, we raised just under three hundred dollars. Uh, so we were, I was able to do, give that money to a an organization that that's what they do is they give they give lessons and music materials to kids in need. And uh, we were able to buy some pianos for kids, which I was over the moon about. Like, I was just like, use this money for good, please. And it just it worked out great. And once again, teachers came out in full force. They were really digging what I was talking. One, t- one teacher came up to me and said, you should do convocations. Like at the beginning of the year, you should bring your band and pl- bring con- and play convocations. I was like, honestly, that would actually be really stinking cool. Um, but yeah, the the reception to it has been really nice, and I, especially with like TikTok, there's been a lot of teachers really actively participating in social media. Uh, yeah, and I feel I. I want my fellow teachers to be heard and felt. And like, there's all kinds of, um, there's all kinds of media for a bunch of different jobs, but outside of a few shows like Abbott Elementary and those who can't, there's not really a lot of stuff for teachers. And I feel uh, they they wanna be heard and they wanna have things that they relate to. And that's what I'm trying to do. <laughs> We'll see how many of them really are into ska and punk, but uh, the reception has been really nice so far. Well, I can definitely relate. I know when you when I saw the names of your songs, I was like, oh, and then there's the sequel to this could have been an email, which is why did you hit reply all or something like that? Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. the yeah. things that we've all experienced that we can all relate to and like, oh, come on, come on now. Yeah. Come on. Um, yeah. And I and uh, it, it is sad that you have the one about being devalued for your content as someone who has been working to be a librarian, you know, and, and hearing an administrator say that a librarian is just a warm body that, you know, doesn't really matter. You know, it's just, it's just sad because these are the things, first of all, I think we could all agree that every student is very different and students connect to different things and whatever it is that makes a a student feel connected and valued in that school in that school is so invaluable because for many kids, it's going to be going to music class that makes them want to go to school. Mm -hmm. And then when they're at school, they get the education that's going to help them to be successful in the future. For some kids, it's going to be going to the library and getting library time and checking out books. And that's going to be the thing that helps, you know, so whatever it is, whether it be a club or a sport or a music or or maybe they genuinely love one of their core content classes. We should all just be like, yeah, get them. You know, let's love these kids. Let's yeah. let's make these kids feel valued and let's get them, you know, all the opportunities for their future. Yeah. I mean, that's like the its initial thing is to educate the public and every kid learns differently, has different interests. So like anything, like you said, anything we can do to get kids excited about learning. Because once they, the big thing is teaching them how to learn. Once they learn how to, man, they're off to the races. And they can learn that in art. They can learn that music. They can learn that PE. They can learn that in reading class. They can learn that at the library. They could learn it at the after school, like, uh, club for self-esteem or chess club. Like, it doesn't matter. The end goal is the same for all of us. And we're, we're all going to help every student to varying degrees. But they need as much of those resources as possible. 
So it's crazy because I feel like we've just started talking and we're, you know, a good, you know, 40 something minutes in. Um, and so we're going to have to, you know, in the future schedule another time to get on here and chat. But yeah. what I've, what I've got to ask now is um, this, will, so this will be coming out on Wednesday. Uh, so, which is, I think the 22nd, which is my anniversary, actually my 20th wedding anniversary. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, what does flip have coming out or what, what does flip have coming up, coming out? What's, uh -huh. what's coming for flip? Uh, let's see. So in August, I think we've talked about your compilation. Yes. And I haven't said much about that publicly yet. So there's something coming. Let's just say there's, that. Yeah. There's, there's something coming. Uh, we're going to be a part of that. Uh, we got some stuff coming. All the stuff that I want to tell you, I can't tell you because it's still kind of like secret, but we got some stuff coming out in August, got some stuff coming out in, in um, December. Uh, I'm sitting on one song right now and I'm trying to find the right time to release it. Um, so really nothing really for the fall. Or sorry, there's a lot of stuff coming out in the fall. I just can't talk about it. Um, we're going to hopefully play some local shows. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, that's it. All all the cool stuff I can't talk about. <laughs> is so I know you've got shows coming up with the third rates. Yes. Are those over by Wednesday? I, I and I know Monday is the day I'm going to get to see you. Yeah. Uh, so today, Wednesday the 22nd, we're playing in San Antonio, Texas, with uh, the third rates, the homies, Young Costello, yes. and uh, the other homies, Hans Gruber and the Diehards. Yes, great show. It, it's it's gonna be. I'm so I'm so excited. Um, we're playing at the Starlighter tonight. So if you're listening to this and you're in San Antonio and you need something to do on a Wednesday night, Starlighter tonight. Um, and then tomorrow on Thursday the 23rd, it's the same lineup. We're just taking the show up to Austin at Flamingo Cantina. So, right on. So yes. Yeah, so by the time this comes out, probably all three of those shows will be over, but they will have been great. You can yes. listen to this and reminisce on how great those shows will. Exactly, and look forward to when Flip will come back because you know they're coming back to San Antonio and Austin. Oh yeah, oh my gosh, so. It's so fun. Um, and I'm excited because your show here is at Killer Tacos, which I've never been there, and mm -hmm. so I'm uh, looking forward to trying out some some food and stuff like that too. So same. All right, so now I always ask uh, one question, uh, which is. Uh, either in the past or present, if there were a ska band that you feel just does not get the love and recognition that they deserve, uh, who would you shout out? Is there an album that we should check out by them? What, what do you think? Oh, my goodness. Okay. You told, you, you told me this was coming up, and now I have too many answers. Um, so I will always shout from the rooftops, Big D and the Kids Table are probably one of the best ska bands doing the ska thing. I love them. Any... Any record of Big D, listen to it. It's they're all all killer, no filler. My personal favorite is um, Steady or oh my gosh, obviously it's not my favorite. Fluent and Stroll, like love that. That's a, my controversial pick because I know a lot of people have a lot of strong feelings about that record in particular. But Fluent and Stroll by Big D and the Kids Table is a momentous achievement. Um, tangentially or related to. Big D is Tip the Van. So if you've seen or heard Big D, they have the doped up dollies, which is like the girl backup singers. A lot of them were in a band called Tip the Van. And it was a female fronted uh, ska 
kind of almost metally band and i love them their record passion love and pride is one that i go back to at least once a year it is impeccable so i will always shout out tip the band um love them and give you one more there i don't think they exist anymore which is really sad uh but there's this canadian ska band more like canadian or indie ska uh called small town get up and they uh-huh. have two records on on Bandcamp, uh and i just love them i don't even remember how i found them but they're just on Bandcamp, and i was like, i'm gonna listen to these guys and they're great the songwriting is super super clever and super interesting uh and i say scott indie because they definitely lean more towards indie but they have like a full horn section and it's yeah it, if you need some new new indie ska small town get up 100 percent Love it, man. Definitely excited to uh, check out those albums. I'm obviously I've heard uh, I've heard uh, Big D, and then I I feel like I've heard Tip the Van, but I'm 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 gonna check check it out specifically yeah. what you mentioned by them, um, and of course love the doped up dollies. Um, so then I always I, we got to go as the Rudy Librarian. We got to talk reading. I know that you said that you are a reader um, when we talked uh, before. So tell me, like, for what what what's your jam? What do you what do you gravitate towards? Uh, so I really gravitate for a long time. I was super into young adult. Like the book that got me into reading was The Fault in Our Stars by John Green. And love it. Remain remains is one of my favorites. Um, so I love a good YA novel. Um, more recently, I've been loving nonfiction, but like. Uh, narrative nonfiction like yeah. my my current favorite book uh ever is um console wars the the story about sega and nintendo and the rivalry it's that's fascinating it's it's, it's like it's it was how do i say it? the pre-production of it was meant to be like uh a, a, like doc a documentary like he interviewed all of the people and like did all the facts and looked up everything but then he writes the he writes the whole book as like a story and it's really funny because he's obviously trying he he doesn't want to show bias but i i always joke with, uh with some friends i'm like it's basically the tom kalinsky story who, who's the guy at sega um, okay and i loved it i don't know what about it i video games narrative driven nonfiction, all those just love that book which led me to also read uh, Blood, Sweat, and Pixels, which is a 13-chapter book with each chapter chronicling how a game was made. Awesome. And uh, it, it's, it's so interesting because, like, the author was really, really smart, and, like, it was a variety of experiences. Like, he talked about how Diablo 3 was made, but then talks about how the indie game Stardew Valley like blew up overnight but then he also talked about how uh, some games just didn't come to fruition like he has a whole chapter on star wars 1313 and it it was it just it grabbed me and i love that book um my wife obviously she or i am not sure if i said this she's a middle school english teacher so she loves to read and she was always talking about how like i, I wish i was part of a book club or a book club that would stay consistent so uh this year i'm like hey we're going to do a book club together. So I've been reading a bunch of books with her. Um, 
and my current favorite is the love hypothesis if you've heard yeah. of it yeah. yeah we just finished that it was so fun it was one of the few books that literally has made me laugh out loud so when you guys pick your your fiction do you tend to aim, do you go mainly towards like realistic fiction? Do you also like fantasy, sci-fi, whatever? Not, we don't, we don't typically go towards fantasy and sci-fi. I've tried, like I, I was reading, oh my gosh, I think it's called The Black Prism. Uh-huh. Yeah, I try, I try to read that. It just didn't grab me. I've tried to read um, the Gunslinger series. Yeah, uh, I've heard the first one of those is really r not good. It's and rough. Yeah. Gosh, so n not so much into into science fiction. The closest science fiction book, I guess, if you want to call it science fiction, is called uh, A Visit from the Goon Squad by Jennifer Egan. Oh, yeah, I've read that. It's a good book. Yeah, love that one. And it kind of like dabbles in, in sci-fi, but no, I really can't. I guess, the, no, that's a lie. I've read a Star Wars book. There's some great Star Wars books. Uh, Gary from Backyard Superheroes and I, uh -huh. used to have a podcast where we talked about Star Wars books for a while. That's so fun. I just read uh, in December, I read a Master and Apprentice. Such a good book. Yeah, I really well, I, I am a, a Qui-Gon Jinn stan. I love Qui-Gon Jinn. Any any Qui-Gon content I can get, I will take. And that one was really fun to read. Well, I'll tell you, there's a book coming out either this month or next month. I can't remember called Padawan by Kirsten White. And it's 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 really about Obi-Wan Kenobi. Mm -hmm. But when he's a Padawan, so you get some Qui-Gon, especially at the beginning. Um, and I think it goes really well. Also, you, uh, there's a series of three books by E.K. Johnston mm -hmm. that are really about Padma. Um, but you get some Qui-Gon and some Obi-Wan in those two that are really good. Wait. So some stuff out there. Uh, the reason I asked um, two of my books that I read most recently that I really love. So I, I like everything. Um, mm -hmm. I, I am a big fantasy guy and, a, a, a for sci-fi, it's basically gotta be star Wars. You know, I'm not a huge star Wars, a huge sci-fi guy, but I am a star Wars guy. Yeah. But I recently read these two books that were so good. Um, so one's, one is a, a, a sort of a dystopian fantasy kind of, kind of book. And it's, uh, it's a really interesting book because it, it's a young adult novel but it won the Newbery Award, which is usually a children's award. Yeah. Um, so it's not common for a book like that to win the, the Newbery. And it won several other awards, but it's called The Last Quintista. Um, and really fascinating sort of sci-fi book. And the premise of it is that um, Halley's Comet uh, got off its normal path and it's going to collide with Earth and destroy Earth. So we are leaving Earth and, but not everyone's going to be able to go. They've got a couple rocket ships. They're going to fly off to this other inhabitable planet. Um, and, um, and, and in the process of flying off to this other inhabitable planet, something goes wrong and essentially sort of a, a very sort of conservative cult type group takes over. And their goal is to erase everyone's memories of earth um, so that, uh, we can never make the same mistakes, that we will live pure. And they're trying to perfect humanity. Um, but the main character, um, she, like her goal before, you know, all this goes down, they get put to sleep for like, I don't know, 350 years or something like that in this sort of cryostasis chamber. Um, 
and before that they're told they're going to get this education that when they wake up they're going to have their whole education and she gets to pick an extra class and she chooses all of the myths and fairy tales that exist she wants to know all of them because she wants to be a quintista which i think is like a storyteller mm -hmm. right i don't know exactly what that word means but i think that's what it means yeah um like her grandmother and so there's a lot of uh, beautiful sort of Hispanic culture uh, woven into this book as well, um, which I thought was really a beautiful, beautiful story. Um, and then I also read this realistic fiction book. So um, in our high schools, we have like the, these book clubs that compete in the battle of the books and we choose about like eight books. And then we let the kids vote on the last two. And I was a sponsor of it. Um, now that I'm not at the high school, I probably won't continue to be, but um but so I always read all those 10 books or as many as I can. And there's always books that I'm like, this is just, this doesn't sound like my thing, but whatever, I'll pick it up. And so that was one of these books. There was a book called uh, the Cuban girl's guide to TN tomorrow. And I was like, okay, it'll be fine, whatever. <laughs> and then I read it and I absolutely adored it because it, it's the story about a young Cuban girl from Miami who like uh, she's sort of, um she's a phenomenal baker and her life plan is that she is uh going to take over her grandmother's uh panaderia i probably mispronounced that but it's a bakery yeah and um her grandma passes so um she's very close to her grandma and like within a few months um her grandma passes away her boyfriend for three years dumps her right before prom and then her best friend who like they had these college plans together, like drops the bomb that she's not going through with those college plans. She's going to be a Catholic missionary in, in Africa. And so like her whole world falls apart and her, her beautiful loving Cuban family knows that she's dealing with some tough mental health issues. So they send her to stay with her aunt and uncle in England and she hates it. She's like, there's no sun here. There's no beach. I can't get, you know, Cuban coffee or food. Like, I hate it here. But, you know, there's a young boy stuff. And there's some there's some romance that happens and along with some other challenges. And it was a really cute, sweet, beautiful story. Oh, oh I want to check both of those out. That sounds great. Like, we were, uh, we went through our first five books of our book club. And then Kayla picked two. I picked two. Um and so I'll, I'm going to keep those in mind. Those sound great. Yeah, for sure. And by the way, you said you loved you said you loved that John Green book. I love John Green. He's one of my favorites. Have you read his nonfiction book, The Anthropocene Reviewed? I have not. So it's not it's not a it's not really a narrative nonfiction. It's kind of more like a group of essays, but it's oh, okay. based off of a podcast that he did called The Anthropocene Reviewed, mm -hmm. where he decided that he was going to start rating things like on Yelp, but like r random things like. He does one that's like his review of Canadian geese. And so yes, he I've heard short, of this. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. does like a short essay and he gives him like a five-star review review somewhere <laughs> in the five-star range. Uh, he reviews like the Black Plague. Um, and he reviews Diet Dr. Pepper and you know, uh the mountain goats and you know, the band. And yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. So, so yeah, it's a it's a really it's a good book. And it's he said it's the closest thing he'll ever write to a, a biography because there's so much of him tied up in these essays. That's so, hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Fine. Well, I love it, man. I love that you uh, you guys have your own little book club. I've, I've felt the same thing. Like, I wish that there were people 
that I could sit and like read books together with, you know, and so uh, I was doing that with the Star Wars books with Gary for a while, but it got to, it got to a point where it was a little hard for both of us and you know, putting a strain on us. Um, but we were, we had kind of a really rough pace. Like we had to read at least a book every month, if not every couple of weeks, it was really yeah. every couple of weeks we had to be done. Wow. So I think that if we slowed the pace down, it, it might not have been so, so tough. Yeah. It, that, I mean, that's the tricky thing. That's what I, I tell my friends. Like, I wish I read more. I was like, honestly, reading's hard because it's not like TV or music where you can just, if you want to, you can put it on the background. Like reading demands your full 100% attention. So it makes it a little harder to do. I will say I do use audiobooks like mm -hmm. when I'm mowing my yard. I yeah. use audiobooks when I'm driving. Um, and, and that works for me as long as it's not like a really complicated fantasy. Because with, you know, when it's a really complicated fantasy and you're having to learn like whole like nations and people groups and, and languages and culture, that's just, it's too much. Yeah. See, I, so the first Stephen King gunslinger, I think it's just called the gunslinger. I tried reading it like three times. First time I like actually had the physical copy and I was like, I can't get through this. Second time I tried listening to the audiobook, I was lost. And then the third time, finally, I was like, I'm just going to read it. And I just sat down and powered through it. And it was awful. <laughs> so I, I, I have heard a bunch of times, read the second book. And they're like, the first book is not good. But when you read the second book, you may want to go back and read the first to get some of that information. But it's not necessary. Yeah. But the second book, they said, is where it starts getting really good. So... Yeah, and you're you not may the want first to try person. it sometime. You may yeah. want to try it sometime, but you know, no shame. I, I always tell people too. I think sometimes we put pressure on ourselves, and that ends up making us stop liking reading. You know, because we're like, oh, I've got to read this thing um, because this, that, or the other. You know, and uh, no, just read what you want to read. If you don't want to read it, don't read it. But um, but then I also will listen. You know, when someone's like, oh, try try this other book. It's kind of like The Office, man. My my wife and I we love The Office, but it took 19 episodes for my wife to get into it. Like she, she wasn't into it until she was like bought in on the Jim and Pam thing. And then she was like, okay, this is a good show. Yes. So that's, that's one of my many controversial opinions. I hate the office. I hate it so much. Like the one episode, the fire escape episode or the fire drill episode. Yeah. Fantastic. I will, I will concede that episode is beautifully written hilarious wonderful you can watch it out of context but i just i can't do it i get, I get too much secondhand embarrassment yeah can't do it. it's probably the same thing with parks and rec then i would guess too but see that's what everyone says i love parks and rec parks and rec is one of my favorite shows so okay I don't know, i'm I don't trying know. to get my wife to do parks and rec right now too i'm trying um but, and well and the first season's so rough for that one too yeah we and, and last night we started, you mentioned this earlier, so I got to say it last night, um, kind of on a whim, I, we started Abbott Elementary because uh, I've been hearing a lot of stuff about it recently. Um, there's a guy on TikTok that I like that's a teacher who, who mentions it quite often. Yeah, uh, the, the neuro D teacher uh, who's who's phenomenal. Um, but uh, with both of us getting ready to start a job in an elementary school, I was like, we should watch this. <laughs> and what's what's funny is that she's been volunteering a ton at our kids school. So she's not nervous at all 
about going to work in an elementary school. Um, I am very nervous, like terrified because I'm like, it's just, my only experience has been on zoo field trips and, (laughs) and it's been stressful on those zoo field trips. Um, You know, like this one kid that begged me for the entire field trip to buy him stuff. And when I finally was like, I've already said, no, it's not nice to keep asking. He broke down and cried. And I was like, Oh oh no. (laughs) So I'm like, please, God, don't make me make all these elementary kids cry. Please let me be nice to them. Hopefully this doesn't make me sound callous, but man, crying's part of the gig, man. Yeah, it just happens on a regular basis because they're such, they're just little pure human emotion. So yeah. like, so like literally there'll be times where I'm like teaching a lesson and I'll see a could just, just tears coming down, not making a big fuss, just crying. Like literally just sitting there crying. I'm like, okay. Like I, I'm like, I'm like, I see you. If you need me, let me know. But I'm just not going to bring attention to it. Cause half the time they're crying because of something unrelated. Like I didn't get my favorite cereal this morning. And if someone else brings it up, then that's when it really starts. Yeah. Now you've embarrassed them publicly. Exactly. But yeah, and this is, this is great. Cause I'm sorry. No, I was gonna say, this is great because when my wife got her job, so my wife kind of had this situation where she was going to be hired at a neighboring elementary that she applied at first. Um, and then the principal at my kid's school called and was like, Oh no, you can't go there. I've already talked to that principal. I really want you to come here. Plus your kids go here. You should come here. And so I'm like, my wife who was nervous, she wasn't going to get hired has these two principals who want her, which is great. <laughs> but she tells our kids, you know, we told our kids that she was going to go to that other elementary. And then last night when she got told that she's going to go to the, their elementary, she, we tell them that. And I was like, what was the response? And she was like, they were both just like, okay. And, <laughs> and I was like, that's it. And we're laughing about it. And she goes, well, Emma said, don't embarrass me. <laughs> <laughs> Telling it like it is. Telling yeah. It like it is. That's, that's my six year old. <laughs> that's hilarious. I love that. No. Um, Going back to Abbott Elementary, I I really like it because it's it's basically looking at your profession through a funhouse mirror. It's still really, yeah. it's still it's still very much a professionally developed sitcom. So there's all that stuff, but it's just it's fun. It's a good one. Well, I am looking forward to. I've only seen the first episode, so I'm gonna dive into that a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking forward to. I'm gonna have some free time to read now, so I'm looking forward to that. I hope you get to read something that you enjoy. Yes. I'm very much looking forward to coming and seeing you guys on Monday. I don't know if my wife will be with me or one of my buddies will, but yeah, uh, looking forward to come out there. And uh, Likewise. Dude, thank you so much for oh, this, spending the last hour with me. This was so fun. I, I had a blast and a half. Thank you for having me. Well, I with that, I'm going to wrap it up, and uh, we'll see you on the next episode. That's it for this week's podcast, but I hope you'll come back and check out the next podcast as I continue to interview the guests, both uh, ska guests and literary guests that have inspired me and gotten me more and more into the scene. Until then, thanks for hanging out here with the Rudy Librarian.